Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Luke chapter 4. And uh, we're going to continue the second message in our... It's going to be an extended series on red letters. Red letters. Today we're going to talk about Jesus declaring His mission. Last week we talked about how that Jesus... Well, we talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the differences there. We talked about how that Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 that it is written that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. We talked about how there's life in God's word. We have to have physical food but we need to have spiritual food also. We also talked about the power that we have. Jesus said in verse number 8, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then verse 12, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We pick up the red letters today in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, where the Word of God says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Father, we ask you to add your blessing to the reading of your word today. Let my words be as the pen of a ready writer. Let them be the divine oracles of God as you use me to speak to your people today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to continue by talking about the mission of Jesus to the church. Now I want you to understand in Luke chapter 4 the Bible said that Jesus was led by the Spirit in verse number 1. Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness and there He was tempted of the devil. In verse 14 the Bible said, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of Him throughout that entire region. So evidently when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil under the direction of the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Lord allows us to go into those wilderness seasons of our lives. I could stand here and share with you for the rest of my preaching time today some personal experiences of those wilderness experiences. What I've always found out is the very same thing that we see here in the Scripture. The Bible said that when Jesus returned... He returned in the power of the Spirit. Let me say this in the very beginning of what I want to share with you today. God will never waste a moment of your time. God won't waste a moment of your time. There are things in your life that you have brought on yourself that God has allowed. If the Lord allows you to go through a wilderness experience, expect to come out of it. The Word of God says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How do you get through the valley of the shadow of death? You just keep walking. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's in Psalms chapter 23. Jesus went through 40 days of fasting and prayer. He was tempted of the enemy. He was tempted of the devil. 
The Word of God tells us here that when He returned, He returned in the power of the Spirit and evidently it was a visible power because the Bible said there went a fame out about Him abroad throughout all of Galilee. So Jesus goes to the temple and the Bible said that He sat down as His custom was. So Jesus attended church on the Sabbath. So the Bible said he sat down as his custom was and they delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is Isaiah 61. They delivered that to him and Jesus is the one that read the scriptures. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of of the Lord. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think Jesus ever read that before? I think Jesus probably just like many other Jewish boys read the scripture on the Sabbath day. And the truth is is he probably had read this prophet before. He probably had read this prophecy before. But there's something different this time because the Bible said in verse 20 that he closed the book and he gave it to the minister and he sat down just like he had always done. And then the Bible said, And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Why? Because this time he read it in the power of the Spirit. And here's the point that I think Jesus is trying to get across to us. There is a mission to be carried out. And that mission is to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We have that mission because we're the body of Christ and Jesus continues His work on the earth today through us. But we can't do it by ourselves. We have to have the power of the Spirit. If Jesus, God's only Son begotten son at that time. If Jesus, who was God's only begotten son, needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do his earthly ministry, how much more do we need it today? So let's dissect this mission. First of all, I want you to say this with me. The mission of Jesus Jesus. is the driving force of the gospel. gospel. Let's say that again because I want it to get inside of us. Say it with me. The mission of Jesus is the driving force of the gospel. Jesus went on to fulfill His earthly ministry. Number one, He preached the gospel to the poor. What is the gospel to the poor? The gospel to the poor is simply this, that God loves you even though you're poor. And God will take care of you. And we believe because we we, we teach it through the Bible and we see in the Word of God that it's not God's will for us to remain poor. We don't have to remain poor. Just because you're poor and just because you remain poor doesn't mean you're any less spiritual. It doesn't mean you're any less saved. But Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. So the gospel to the poor is you don't have to be poor no more. That's the gospel to the poor. And this gospel to the poor, is, it speaks of outreach. It speaks of missions. It speaks of declarations of God's love. It speaks of focusing on numbers. Some people say, I don't want to focus on numbers. Numbers represent souls. So it speaks of those things. Almost every one of us, if not every one of us, can remember a time in our life when we didn't have anything. Nothing at all. And there were people who invested into our lives. 
They loved us. They cared about us. They invested into our lives. They saw the trajectory that our life was going in. And they said, you know what? I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to help you. And, they, and most, for most of us, it was older folks. And they went and they began to invest into our lives. I had a businessman in Grand Rapids when I was 18 or 19 years old. He came to one of my revivals and I used to work for him for about three months out of the year. And I'd go preach. And I'd preach and because I was getting started in the ministry full time, I didn't have a lot of money. And so I'd preach and my bills would stack up. And then I'd be able to go work for him for about three months. And then uh, I'd make money, I'd get my bills paid off. And then I'd go to him and I'd say, you know, I need to go back and preach again. And he would let me go and preach for another six or nine months. Well, one Sunday night, I was preaching in Grand Rapids, a revival. I'd been working all day long, and I was preaching that night, that, that whole week, and he came to the meeting. And when he came to the meeting, I had him stand up at the end of the service after I preached, after people had given their life to Christ, all of this. I had him stand up, and I said, I want you guys to meet Jim Austin. Jim Austin was uh, a paint contractor there, and God had used him through many, many years. He was sitting in the back. And I, want, I said, I want you to stand up. I want you to testify. Folks, I want you to know this person. Uh, he's helped me. He lets me come back and work for three months out of the year. All of these kinds of things. He looked at me. He stood up real slow. And he looked at me. And here was his testimony. Because he'd never heard me preach before or anything. Here was his testimony. I'm going to try to mimic him, okay? He said, Johnny, Anyone who can preach like that don't have any business painting a building. Come to my office in the morning. I went to his office that next morning. And he and his wife sat down and said, You go do the work of the Lord. And we're going to pay you every week just like you painted all week long. And we're going to do that for a minimum of three months. And he said, we're going to do it for a minimum of three months. And that should get you over the hump. But if it doesn't, just call me and we'll keep doing it. They invested in me. They invested in my life. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for that today. Because if somebody would not have believed in me, if somebody would not have believed in the call of God that was upon my life, if someone had not believed in the anointing that was on my life and could hear God, someone that could hear God, if, if Jim would have said, no God, I can't do that. I can't pay somebody that's not going to be making me money. If he would have said that, I probably wouldn't be your pastor today. What are you saying, pastor? I'm trying to tell you that you need to invest in outreach. You need to invest in people. You need to invest in missions. You need to help them declare God's love. Preach the gospel to the poor. The Bible says in Proverbs 19 and verse 17 that whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and the Bible said that God will give them a reward for all that they have done. Turn to your neighbor and say, that word's for me. Then the second thing. The Bible said Jesus looked at him and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted. What does it mean to heal the brokenhearted? It means to minister hope to the hopeless. It means to minister life to the lifeless. Life happens to people. Life can be shattering. But Jesus can put you back together again. 
I've learned that through the years. Psalms 147 and verse number 3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. That's what Jesus will do. If you're broken today, I want you to know that Jesus can heal you. Those of you that are watching, if you're broken, I want you to know that Jesus can heal you. You're not so broke that God can't fix you. Amen. Then the Bible said He preached deliverance to the captives. Let me say this. I've had uh, some experience with some people uh, and, and addictions, especially uh, since we've been pastoring in Pasco County. And here's what I've found out. And I can say to a man or to a woman, no one starts out planning to be an addict. They don't. They don't. Life begins to happen and they start making wrong choices because they start hanging around the wrong types of people. Well, the Bible said that Jesus has come to preach deliverance to the captives. There's many kinds of captivity. Captivity to drugs, captivity to alcohol, captivity to promiscuity are things that naturally come to our mind. But I want to ask you a couple more questions. What about those who who are in captivity to personal pride? Think about that. What about those who are in captivity to the past? Well, this is what used to happen. And they're so busy living in the past, they couldn't hear God speak today about the future if He screamed at them. Because all they can think about is the past. The past is the past. Leave it there. Successes, failures, leave it there. But some people are addicted to the past. They're addicted to a failure from the past. And it's affecting them today. Some people, uh, some people have problems with failing ideas and negative thought patterns and failure and things like that. Here's what the Bible says. Psalms 107 and verse number 14. If you're having tr- trouble with addictions and you're struggling with addictions, I want you to write this verse down. Write it down. Psalms 107, 14. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands in two. Broke their bands Asunder. Then the Bible said that Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because uh, He's caused me to bring recovering of sight to the blind. Now I'm sure that this refers primarily to the physical. I'm, I'm sure that that's what it means. But, but He was also speaking to many people who were bound by the law. Because the law was all that they knew and they couldn't recognize the Messiah even when they saw They were in the presence of the foretold Messiah and they couldn't accept the fact that He was the Messiah because they were bound by tradition and they were bound by the law. Now let me me be a little pastoral with you this morning for a few moments, okay? How many times has Jesus tried to walk right into situations in your life and because of the circumstances around you, you couldn't recognize the presence of God. Jesus put it like this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. The reason is because they couldn't see Jesus. I want to encourage you, don't let your circumstances stop you from seeing the hand of God working in your life. Nothing that you're ever going to go through is going to be a surprise to God. And nothing that you're ever going to go through is going to change God's Word. So, God is consistent. God loves you 
God cares about you. He wants to bless you. He wants to recover sight to the blind. He wants the scales to fall off of our eyes so we can actually see the activity of God in our life. Luke 24, 31, the Bible said their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus and then He vanished from their sight. And Luke 24, 45, then opened He their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. As a pastor, my prayer to you today is, Heavenly Father, open up the eyes of the people that are here today and those that are watching, that they may see you more clearly than they've ever seen you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set at liberty them that are bruised. Like I said, and I keep repeating it, life happens. None of us start out expecting to become divorced. None of us start out expecting to have business failures. None of us start out with good friendships expecting one day for betrayal to rule the day. We don't, do we? But life happens. And if we don't watch it, we can get all twisted in the pain through the process. So I want to ask you, do you feel beaten? Do you feel shattered? Do you feel torn? I can tell you from experience that Jesus can heal you from your pain. He can heal you from your pain. Why? Because Jesus can relate to your pain. Well, what do you mean by that? Isaiah 53, verses 3 and 4, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we thought He was stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But verse number 6 says, But He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon Him and by His stripes we are healed. So we thought He was forsaken by God. We thought He was stricken by God. We thought He was afflicted by God. We thought He was smitten by God. But really, He was just walking out the plan of God for His life because of us and because of you. And then he goes on in the Bible said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You don't have to wait another minute for God to be an active part of your life. The time is now. Jesus will help you right now. Here's what the Bible said, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we see the mission of Jesus. It's very simple, isn't it? It's there in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. That's the mission of Jesus. Now I want to tell you, the mission of Jesus is still being fulfilled in the earth today. How is He doing that? He's doing it through us. He's doing it through me. He's doing it through you. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, we belong to Christ because we are the body. He's the head of the church and we are His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. In, in 1939, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied over Lester Summerall, and uh, he prophesied of coming revivals. And here is what he prophesied in a nutshell. He prophesied that 
in the 40s and 50s that there would be a great healing revival that would break out. That was fulfilled through people like A.A. A. Allen, Oral Roberts, Jack Coe, and the list just goes on. Then he prophesied that in the 60s and the 70s that there would be a great charismatic revival or a renewal and that was fulfilled. That was when the church moved away from a lot of the legalism and embraced a more modern type lifestyle. They began to ask questions like, well, why do we believe this? I can't find it in the Word of God. And so what they did was they took the Word of God for what it said and then they just chunked the rest that had been, that had been uh, holding the church down. Then he prophesied, now remember, this is Smith Wigglesworth in 1939. He prophesied about a word of faith revival that would come in the 80s and the 90s and part of the 2000s. And, the, and this, is, this was fulfilled. The church began to focus heavily on the teaching of the Word of God. If you remember, in the 80s and the 90s, and some of it even still today, through people like Kenneth Hagin and people like even Copeland and things like that. It's just word, word, word. There's a movement today called a word movement. In fact, they call a lot of people call us a word church. I think we're a little broader than that, but, but, but that would be pretty accurate for us. Then he prophesied about one more revival. One more revival. Now bear in mind, he prophesied these three revivals that have already been fulfilled in 1939. Then he prophesied one more, one more revival. He didn't call it a healing revival. He didn't call it a charismatic revival. He didn't call it a word revival. Here's what he called it. The greatest revival. The greatest revival. That is beginning to be fulfilled. We are just a few years into the very beginning of it. At the beginning of the service, I ask you to pray for a friend of mine who's going to be having a, a, a meeting over in Pakistan. It's very possible that many, many, many people, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people, will make a decision to allow Jesus to come into their heart this very week. It's very possible. Probably while you're having lunch, hundreds on Tuesday, hundreds of thousands of people will be praying, asking Jesus to come into their heart all at the same time. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? But let me tell you something. That's not the only place it's happening. They are coming to the Lord by the millions through Christ for the nations and with Daniel Kalinda in the nation of Africa. They're coming to the Lord by the millions there. They're coming to the Lord by the tens of thousands in Mexico. They're coming to the Lord by the tens of thousands in South America. I'm saying God do it in America. But they're doing it in South America. There has been a national renewal and a national revival through Hillsong Church for the whole nation of Australia and around the world. And now they're capturing London, England with the love of God. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. That we are in the beginning of that greatest revival that Smith Wigglesworth talked about. And he said it was going to be a global revival where the Word would be preached and the demonstration of the Spirit would be active and there would be great power as the gifts of the Spirit were once again on display in the church. I heard the recount of this by his great-granddaughter and, and, and he had personally told her about this. I heard it this week. His great-granddaughter talking on video about it. So, here's what's, here's what's happening. There's a massive move of God taking place around the world. We can't, in America, we can't close our eyes to it. Last week I shared with you that America has 
20% of the world's population and over 25% of the world's economy. We have a responsibility to take this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. So I want to share with you a little bit about the nine gifts of the Spirit this morning before we close. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible says that there are gifts and there are administrations and there are operations and there are manifestations of the Spirit. You see there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations but it's the same God which worketh all in all but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So we see we have gifts, administrations, operations and manifestations of the same Spirit. And those gifts and manifestations can be seen in the next verses, 8, 9, and 10, where the Bible said, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. This great revival that the church is entering into right now not only is going to see massive amounts of people come to the Lord through the preaching of the gospel message of God's love, but this great revival that the world is getting ready to experience is going to experience, people are going to experience the demonstration of the Spirit of God in power. The Word of God says this. It says, My speech and my preaching is not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but it's in the power and in the demonstration of the Spirit of God. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying buckle your seat belts and get ready. You better get on this train because if you don't, it's going to go down the tracks without you. God is getting ready to pour out His Spirit upon this earth. These gifts can be divided into three categories. And this, this is a whole series here, but I'm just touching them. But these gifts can be provided into three, or divided into three categories, and that's revelation gifts, which would be the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And then vocal gifts would be the next one, and that would be tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And you can go on in, verse, in, in chapters 12, 13, and 14. You can read, especially around chapter 14, about the proper use of tongues in the body of Christ today. And then there's the power gifts. There's faith and the gift of faith. And then the Bible tells us that there are healings. And then there are the working of miracles. Now I want to say something here very quickly. And I don't want to get off on this rabbit trail because I've got one more passage I want to share with you today. There is a difference between healings and miracles. Miracles happen right now, just like that. Healings is the divine acceleration of health. And so healing takes a process of time, but God will accelerate that healing inside of you. Say like Pastor Angelo had to have surgery and have the problem that he had taken care of. They let him out of the hospital on Friday and on Saturday he was here in the pulpit. Shouldn't have been, but he was. And then on Sunday morning, he was sitting on the second row right there. You know why? Because he just wanted to be in the presence of God. Well, while he was here, the Lord gave him some specific words. 
Had he not been here, well, you know, I've got, I, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that you need to do this every time, but, you know, well, you know, I had surgery last week and, or, or the week before, and, you know, they said I've got six weeks to recover, and so I'm just going to stay home for six weeks and watch it on live stream. What are you going to miss? What are you going to miss? And so it's important for us, you know, coming to church, uh, unless you're just one of those active worshipers, <laughs> which is about half of you, but coming to church, if you, unless you're just one of those active worshipers, you can come and just sit in the presence of the Lord and let God's presence just work healing inside of you. Just let it work healing in you. You see, and so healing is different than miracles. Healing is the rapid acceleration of divine health. That's what healing is. A miracle is when we lay hands on people and God opens their blind eyes instantly or unstops their deaf ears instantly. That's a miracle. And so why, that's why there is a difference here in the gifts because God wanted us to know that healings and miracles, while they complement each other, they work differently. Bishop Robbie Brady released a word, a prophetic word, last night, at, last evening at 525. Those of you that don't know who uh, Robbie Brady is, some of you know who Cheryl Brady is. I don't know if you know who Cheryl is, but some of you know who she is. Well, Robbie Brady is her husband. Here is the word. Now, this is a fresh word from last night. You ready? I read this to Donna, and I said, this is to us if there ever was. Listen. And here's the thing. A prophetic word, when it's released, must be received in order for it to become activated. So you receive this word when I read it. You ready? He said, we have shifted into a perpetual flood of revival. Everything in our life will be updated. We will discover we're not a minute early or a minute late. God will give us with ease what has seemed to be a struggle. We will walk into a sweatless season of supernatural success. We must refuse to allow our past limitation to dominate this new day. God will give us quick access into the fullness of our assignment and all the resources needed to fulfill our purpose. This, find us with, this will find us within a matter of days. We must position ourselves to manage increase. Our days of lack and slack have come to an end. The floodwaters of revival and reformation, and the word form there is in caps. God is reforming us. The floodwaters of revival and reformation has come to the church, and this revival will release the kingdom in full force. This season will release apostolic alignment and activate prophetic precision. The vision will no longer tarry. There will be more than enough to sustain our assignment. There will come a supernatural release of property. This will give power and influence. Now listen, and will bring the desire of all nations into the house of the Lord. And my house will be filled with my glory. 
This will not be manufactured manipulation, but a revealing of the remnant that is being birthed to rule all nations with a rod of iron, with unbreakable authority. Position yourself. Your promotion is here. The season of struggle has ceased and we have crossed into the threshold of endless increase. This is the word of the Lord. Come on, receive it. Hallelujah! Yeah! I'm sitting in my chair in my bedroom and I'm reading that and tears are streaming down my face. I say, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. And I knew it was for us for sure when it said there will be a supernatural release of property. <laughs> Woo! And then it went on and it talked about having influence to the nations for the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah! Come on, receive it with me. Hallelujah. So there's a stirring in the earth today for global revival. World events are pointing us to the coming of the Lord. You can find that in Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14. Come, Charles. Last scripture today. Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. Wow. The mission of Jesus. He declared it. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, is still being fulfilled today through His church. It's being fulfilled through us. Jesus is still active today. How much participation are we going to have in it? How many of you will say with me, you know what, Jesus... Use me. Whatever it takes to draw me closer to you, Lord, that's what I'll be willing to do. Whatever the cost, I'll go over mountains, I'll travel across seas, I'll get in an airplane and fly through the jet stream over to the other side of the world to preach and then get in an airplane and come back so I can be here on Sunday morning if I have. If I can't make it that Sunday morning, I know there's a great group of believers here that's going to take care of each other until I can get back. I see the day when a bunch of you travel with me. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs. Hallelujah. Can you sing that? Let's do it. Come on. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.